As I begin, I, I will tell you what I'm going to try to do. If you're a Christian, then I'm going to try to motivate you to remain faithful to God and keep pressing forward. And we need those regular motivations. If you're not a Christian, then I hope to entice you to become one. I hope you'll listen to this and you'll go, man, I, I'm, I'm wasting my life. Um, I need to uh, line up with God's eternal purposes. So right up front, that's kind of where we're going. Father, we pray this morning that you would take your word and just make it relevant, powerful, exciting. Um, may it be clear what you're saying in this passage of Scripture and may it just tie in together with where we're living right now. May it speak so clearly to people here. And may people feel like that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Or may some people feel like that it was really specially spoken to them. And maybe their life and their purpose is kind of cloudy right now. And they're just searching for clarity with their life. I pray that would be that kind of message for them, God. And for all of us. And I pray that we would remember some of the um, key lessons that can be uh, drawn out from this text. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, it says that our, uh, it talks about a tent and a, a building. A tent is referring to our, our current situation, our current home. Like right now, we would say, well, where do you live? And say, well, honestly, I, I live in a tent. And then you can say, well, um, I'm going to live one day in a, in a house. Um, so that's just a real simple way of describing what, what Paul is saying. We know that if the tent that is our heavenly home is destroyed, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. So the earthly home is compared to a tent. A tent's kind of temporal. It used to be a tent would be made of cloth or animal skin. Some people lived in tents. They were called nomads. They traveled around and it was very portable so that they could take up their home. And so they kind of lived that wandering life and it always felt like maybe everything wasn't super secure. And so Paul is like, think about your whole life that way. Your life is kind of, you're traveling, your journey. The Bible refers to us as pilgrims. We're pilgrims passing through. This is not our eternal home. If you get that, it's very important. Because most of the time we don't live that way. We live as like we're all in here. Everything we invest, everything here, our time, our money, our thoughts. We wake up in the morning thinking about what we can build in this world, life, what we can enjoy in this world. And the Bible is trying to get us to adjust our thinking uh, to being more biblical or more accurate. It says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we have a building from God. In the heavens, God's built a place for us. Remember the time when Jesus says, I, I go to prepare a place for you? And in my home, my, in my um, house, there are many mansions or where I'm going. Jesus promised there would be many homes. There would be a home for everybody. Um, I don't know if you'll have a big house or a little house. I'm not real sure, but I just know this. You'll have a happy house. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You won't even care. If someone has a bigger house, you'll go, yeah, they deserved it. Man, praise God. No jealousy. Isn't that great? Like here, if someone has a bigger house, guess what the people next door do? They add on to their house. It's like, well, mine's going to be bigger. We play this silly game about who's got the most stuff. Um, you know, the, the he who dies with the most toys wins or something like that or whatever. Well, like... That's the silliest thing ever. 
Um, you don't get to play with anything you leave behind. Um, and so the Bible is wanting us to think about this. Think about the Christian life is hard, and if you're going to make through it, you need to, you need to understand these things. It's, a, it's like a biblical worldview, a, a, a correct view. So what we have in this life, we don't get to keep. We don't get to carry it with us. Um, it's kind of like a, um, not the greatest investment ever, but what we have in eternity after this life is everything. It's everything. It's lasting. It's permanent. It can never be taken from us. It's a house made not with our hands, all the work we put into what we're doing here, and it's made by God, and so it's eternal, lasting, um, a great investment. Uh, Paul doesn't describe very much. He doesn't spend much time describing what he calls a building from God or heaven. We, he, he mentions heaven, but he doesn't talk a lot about it here. Uh, if you want to study about heaven, there's other passages, great passages. It's not today's topic. Um, there's a book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. It's real good. It's kind of thick. Um, it's kind of theologic, theological mixed in with some um, heavenly um, imagination, I guess. Some of it's rooted on solid biblical passages and then he's trying to think out those passages and so the mind can kind of wander a little bit. It's okay if you wander within the boundaries of, of biblical thought. Um, so what we need is motivation. So this isn't really a passage about heaven. This is a passage about now. And you need motivation now. Does anyone need motivation now? You feel like you need some good motivation. You come to church sometimes because you need motivation. You ever turn to the Bible because you need motivation? You ever look for a song, Christian song for motivation? You ever looking for a podcast because you're like down and discouraged and you need motivation? Any of you need motivation? Well, I hope I'm going to give you a little bit. Um, that's the purpose of this sermon. Um, so... The first thing I want to say that hopefully is going to help, this should help you. Your life in the tent is short. Short. If you're young, it doesn't feel so short. If you're old, it feels short. Um, you know, if you live to be 100, we're, we're impressed with that. It's like, whoa, so-and-so is nearly 100. Um, when I first came here, I met Miss Edna, and I, I, she's probably like 103 or something when I met her. Maybe, I, I remember her 107th birthday. I do remember that because we did it over at the church here. We did her 107th birthday, Miss Edna. And then I remember she died and she was just about three months from turning 110. Um, we all felt like that was pretty old. And the Bible says that's nothing. That's not old. Comparatively old. I, I didn't, I've never met anyone older than Miss Edna. I don't remember. If they were, I didn't know it. Um, but the Bible says, that's just a puff of smoke. James 4.14, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time. What is Miss Edna's life? It was just a mist. 110 years, just a mist. Appears for a little time and vanishes. So, Moses in Psalm 90 said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So if I'm trying to figure out in my life how to spend it, it's important to know that I don't really know exactly how long I'll go. But let's just say I have a good run. Maybe I hit 100. 
That would be, everyone would agree, that's pretty long, that's pretty long. Um, but the Bible's saying, that's not your real goal. It's not how long you live, it's how you live. And for what you live. So, don't spend so much time on this life. It's going to be gone before you know it. Don't spend all your effort and money on this life. Don't invest everything here. It's a bad investment. But that's what we tend to do. We invest everything here. It's like, oh, my job, my career, my salary. You know, when you go to a career counselor at college, they don't ask you about your spiritual plans. They ask you about, well, what are you interested in? And what do you feel good at? And what would you like to spend your life? And those are fine. They're fine as long as they are in line with the real eternal plan. God's very interested in what you do on the short term, but not if that's all you're thinking about. So, um, one of the greatest dangers of being young, really young, some of you are young in here. Can I let you know one of the greatest dangers that you face is that you think you have a long life and you end up wasting your time. You're really young. You're like, oh, I got time to pursue God. I got time to figure that out. And so Satan makes you feel like you've got lots of time and you really don't know that you do. So one of the greatest dangers of being young is to think your life is long so you waste it. And one of the greatest sorrows of being old is to discover that your life was short and you wasted it. Can you see that a life without intention is going to end up being wasted? But one of the greatest advantages of being a, a, a Christian is to discover life. And then you can live it from that point forward. So I'm not sure where you are here today. If you're young and you haven't figured out life, can I just so encourage you, please start right now. Don't waste another day. Don't waste another day. Give your life. Do you know you can live for God right now, right where you are, no matter what your age is? You could start right now counting days for God. Counting days. Teach us to number our days. You could start numbering days right now. Can you imagine how many more days you could live for God if you start today? Don't waste another day. Isn't that, wouldn't that be exciting? Um, Paul said in this passage, whether we are at home or away, like whether we're here or the future... We make it our aim to please Him. Like that's the key. That's the key He discovered is to live for God. It's to glorify God. Whether I have a little bit of time left in this world, I want to live and figure out what it means to please God. Or that's clearly what everyone's going to be doing in heaven. All everyone thinks about in heaven lines up with God's eternal purposes. Even our acts of kindness to other people, whatever. Everything we do in heaven lines up with serving God because it's just going to be the greatest joy we have. So... Life in the tent is short. You, you need to know that if you're going to have a healthy approach. A second thing is life in the tent is hard. You need to wake up to that. It's hard. And a lot of times we complain. It's like, well, it's supposed to be easy, isn't it? I'm not supposed to have problems, am I? Why did this happen to me? You, you know, people actually say things like, well, I don't believe in God because there's pain and suffering in the world. Well, what did you think it was going to be? 
It's so interesting. What a, what a terrible, what an unrealistic thing for someone to live in this world full of thorns and thistles and somehow figure out or think it was supposed to be otherwise. And that's going to really hinder you if you don't figure this out. It's going to be tough. But guess what? It's going to be okay if you're walking with Christ. It's going to be good. He's going to take that and He's going to use all of that. In this tent, verse 2, we groan. Longing to be put on our heavenly dwelling like you know. You know it's going to get better. See, you understand the shortness and the brevity of the suffering side and you're looking forward to heaven. The more you understand this, the more you're going to start longing for heaven. If, if you're not longing for heaven, you've completely misunderstood something that's very vital to living well in this life. Do not expect the life to be a cruise to the Caribbean islands. Now, I'm all for a cruise. But folks, it's a cruise. It's, a, it's, a, it's not reality. No one lives like that. Ask the people who work on the boat. They hate it. Most of the people who work on the cruise don't like it at all. It's like they have very hard jobs and they don't get to enjoy any of it. And some of them that get bottom dollar payment and some of them just live on this little shell and they travel and they don't get to enjoy any of it and they can't wait to get off the cruise. And some of us expect life to be like that. If you get to go on a cruise, wonderful. Go see the Caribbean. It's beautiful. But the reality is we actually live not on a Caribbean cruise, we live in a war zone. The Bible tells us that we need to know that this is a battlefield and that there are casualties every day and every day people live and they die and they go through hardship and they face difficulty and they experience pain and agony, emotional suffering, physical suffering, aging, disease, sickness. People lose their jobs. People, you know, living in America has made us think Life is different than it really is because people who live in other countries don't share our view that every day is supposed to be a happy day. They live in a reality where sometimes all they can think of the day is their next meal. And we're living in a, a very unique place. And therefore, I think for many times it's hindered our growth as Christians. We've come to this expectation and then we feel like, and then we hear gospel messages like everything's supposed to be good and you're never supposed to get sick and, you know, Jesus will help you um, be prosperous and bring all this great to us. And it's not true. It's not at all biblical. And it really hinders people's growth. And so you need to know that life is short and life is hard. And life in this tent is less than ideal relationally. So the, the best relationship I've ever in, entered into is my relationship with God, but it's, it's, um, I'm not there yet. It's wonderful and it's rewarding and it means more to me than any other relationship in the world. I, I, I love my wife so much. I love my kids so much. I love them. But I have another relationship that's even more vital. And it even, it even helps me relate to my wife and my kid. It's the, actually the ground upon which all other relationships I have. And it's my personal relationship to the true and living God. I have a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I have a relationship with a triune being. And it's the most meaningful, it's the most important thing about me. But it's nowhere near that I want it to be. 
I'm not there yet. I've never actually been able to sit in a chair and have Jesus beside me. I've never ever been able to raise my questions to God the Father in such a way as if I was communing with Him in the way that I know I'm going to get to. And so I've not even, I've not even, I've just barely scratched the surface of my relationship with God. It's far from ideal, but it's the best I have. It's the best. It's the best I have. It's the most important relationship. It's the one relationship I simply cannot afford to give up. I cannot lose my relationship with my Lord and my Savior. I could. I don't want to. I don't want to lose any of my children. And if any of you have, I know you know how hard that is. I know you know how hard it is to lose someone. Some of you have lost your spouse after years. And I know how hard that can be. I've watched some of you agonize and hurt and miss them so much. I know. But there's one relationship I cannot and you cannot live without. And that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's with God through Christ. But it's, it's lacking do you feel that? It's lacking. It's not what you want it to be. It's not what it could be. It's not what it ought to be. And thank God it's not what it's going to be. The best is still ahead. It's yet to come. There is a place where you and I as Christians are going to get to go and we're going to experience everything our relationship to God was meant to be. It's, it's future oriented. It's very important that as you go through this life and you go through these Days where your relationship doesn't feel right or you feel lonely or you feel like it's been a while since you were really been able to have sweet communion with God and you're fighting for it and one day you have a spiritual high and then for four days you, you feel like you're down in the valley and the next three days you're pursuing God hard and it's sweet and He feels close and then for a week you go through and it's like, man, I'm just going through the motions and, and you feel this... this, this uh, fluctuation. It feels like you're just up and down all over the place on the map spiritually and you're, you're not able to sustain the real kind of enjoyment of the presence of God that you so want and you know it's real. And the, the question is why? It's because you're in this setting. You're in this temporal setting. The now, the tent, is a separation from God. I don't know if you knew that, but there's a separation from God right now. Jesus is in heaven with the Father and thank God we have the Holy Spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can make it there. We don't have the fullness yet. We have the promise of the fullness. But right now, we have this wonderful Word of God comes to us and we feed upon the Word of God and we know Jesus. We know Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. But we are spatially, geographically, temporally. Thank God it's temporal. But while we're in this tent, we're not there yet. We're not yet. Folks, I don't know. I know you know it's good because you've tasted some of it. You worship and praise and you've entered into fellowship. But can I promise you, it's going to be so indescribably better it makes me want to press forward because I'm thinking, man, in the moments that I'm able to enjoy the presence of God and the sweetness of that, it makes me excited that it's going to be infinitely better because I'm going to be there. And it says right here in the eternal heavens, in this tent we groan, longing, longing. I hope you know something of this longing, longing to be put 
and our heavenly dwelling. But right now, right now, verse 5, He's prepared this very thing for us as God. God has prepared it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you that this is not all we're going to get. But He has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. He's given us a deposit. He's given us something real. He's given us someone. Someone has come to dwell inside of us. One of the members of the Trinity, of the triune God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. In you, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit came into you and He guarantees, guarantees that you're going to make it. He guarantees that He's with you. He will not leave you alone. He's with you. And when you don't feel close to God, He's there with you. You may not feel it at the moment, but He's like the guarantee that it's going to happen. He's the promise. He's God's seal. God has put a, a deposit. He's given you security. He's the security. So you know, you know that you're going to make it when you become a Christian because the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. And I would recommend, I would recommend just go back and read the first half of Romans 8 and just look at the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 and just read that and go, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable that I have the Spirit of God. Here I am a sinner and I've been reconciled to God and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the true and living God is living in me and He's helping me. He encourages me. He convicts me of sin when I get off track. He motivates me when I'm, I'm not motivated. He gives me strength and courage to witness to people when I'm terrified. He helps me. When I read this book, he helps me and he begins to open my eyes and illuminates. It makes me see things that I didn't understand before. And he begins, he's my teacher, he's my friend, he's my counselor, he's my guide. Wow. If I have to make it through this hard life, good thing, good thing I have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Good thing I have the Word of God, right? Man, that's encouraging to me. I want to keep going. I don't want to give up. Some days I want to give up, but I don't want to give up because I, what a future we have. Why would you give up? We're going toward that, towards that. Keep going towards that. Don't, don't stop here. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Don't, put all, don't invest so much here. Invest lightly here. And even when you do invest here, use your investment for the glory of God. Use what He gives you. Take it. Enjoy whatever He gives you. Don't be begrudging. Be thankful if He blesses you. Thank God you live where you do. Thank God you have a house. But knowing it's only temporal and it's a tool that you can use for Him. It's make it our aim to please Him. Whether we're at home, our aim is to please Him. Like whatever you do, Lord, I want to use it to please you and thank you for your Holy Spirit. Wow, what a, what a gift. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be more like Jesus. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. Another thing about this tent, this time, this tent time during this period, I, I know that during this period, i got this period to get ready. I've got this period to get ready for the, for the day of judgment. Like, what a terrible thing to spend your whole life and make no preparation for the biggest day ever. Where your whole life is brought to account before God, and you're like going, ah, whatever, whatever will be, whatever. No, no need to prepare. What will happen will happen on that day. What? What an idiot. What kind of person would make no preparation for the biggest day ever? It says right here in verse 10, we must all appear. All, everybody, you, me, you're going to appear. Well, I don't believe in God. You're still going to appear. Atheists appear before God. 
Agnostics appear before God. Hindus appear before God. Polytheists appear before one God. And I have some great news about that day. If you're a Christian, I have some terrible news if you're not. The terrible news is the one God that you're going to stand before knows everything. He knows about your middle school years. He has a record of your computer searching. He knows everything you've said to somebody. He knows when, you, when you've done something inappropriate. He knows, when, he knows every time you uh, lusted, every time you stole, stole something. He knows what your thoughts have been. He knows, when you, he knows everything. You're going to stand before the all-knowing God. And guess what? There's, there's not going to be... You're not going to stand before... It's not like a human courtroom. In a human courtroom, you have a prosecuting attorney. But here's the thing. He's the one. He's the prosecuting attorney. In a courtroom, you're like going, Oh, I've, been, I've got charges against me. I need a defense lawyer. And he's like, No, no, you don't need it. There's no defense lawyer. He, he's the one. He's both prosecuting attorney and defense lawyer. Oh, we need a jury to decide. I hope we get a host in the jury pool. I hope it's a bunch of sinners like me in the jury pool so they'll go easy on me, a sinner. Fellow sinners will probably go easier on a sinner standing for God. There are no fellow sinners. He's the jury. And we don't need detectives. And any detectives discover anything, any, any evidence anyone going to bring. We need extra witnesses. Don't need any of that. You're going to stand before Him who knows all. Nothing will be bypassed. Everything that you've done in the body, whether good or evil, it's, all, it's just all right there. That's terrifying if, if, you, if you don't have a relationship with the one before whom you're going to stand. But may I also say, it can be utterly thrilling. Thrilling. Knowing that He's the one you stand before. It all depends on your relationship to Him, right? If you have no relationship and you've rejected Him and you spit in His face and every time the gospel is you preach, say, I ain't interested, I'm more interested in worldly trinkets, you're going to, that's who you're going to stand before. The one, you're going to stand before the one you rejected. But if you love Him, then you're going to stand before the one whom you've accepted. You're going to stand before the one who fought for you, died for you. You're going to stand before the one who's like, I took your name. I've got your name. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ one. I'm, I'm a Christ follower. Jesus, I'm your biggest fan. I'm not a very good fan, but I'm a loud fan. I love you. I choose you. I got your banner on my heart. I wear a Jesus jersey in the inside every day. Like, I'm all about Team Jesus. I'm for you. I love you. Like, I feel honored to stand before you. I'm so glad that you're the one that I get to stand before because I would be terrified, terrified if it was anyone else. I'd be terrified it was all the people I had offended. Oh, I'm glad that person's not the judge. Glad that person's not the judge. Glad this person, that, this situation. Oh, Lord, I am so excited that you're the one on that day that I'm going to stand before because you're the one that told me you love me and saved me. He washed away my sins. You're the one that pardoned my sin. As a matter of fact, you already know. You already know all my sins. There's nothing you don't know. There's nothing I did in middle school. You know my record. You know, my, um, you know when I looked at porn. You know when I um, was addicted to drugs. You know when I was a sorry dog. You know, whatever, whatever. You know, there's no surprises. You already know, and you told me, and when you were hanging on the cross, you said, I did this for you, and therefore you're the one, my Savior that hung on the cross for me is the one who I'm going to go stand before you. How, what, what a thrilling day. It's not terrifying anymore. If you don't know Christ, 
It's terrifying. If you do know Christ, it's, it's thrilling to know that He's the one. He's the one. He already knows. And He's already told you. He loves you. He died for me when we were yet enemies. My, it's all relational. See? It's relational. The day of judgment is purely relational. If you have a personal relationship with the judge, then you're, you're not terrified anymore. You know he's going to handle that moment with the greatest care. And he's going to say, I know, I know what you've done. And remember, remember the day that you signed up with me. I told you it's covered. It's covered. The day of judgment is extreme polar opposites based on your relationship to Jesus. And as we go through this life in this tent, I'm so thankful to know that. Because I keep screwing up. I add to my list of sin. My list gets longer. I wish, it, I wish it's like I made a decision for Jesus and then I'm done with the bad list. It's just good stuff. Now, I've only done good stuff since coming to Jesus. I, I wish I could say that, but... I, I could say it, but some of you know me. And you wouldn't believe it. And I know you. And I don't believe it if you told me. You know, people that talk about since they became a Christian, they're sinless. Do you know the very next verse in 1 John says that you're a liar? The first thing it says, I'm sinless, is that you're a liar. Because there is no one who doesn't sin. Sinless perfection is something that happens after we get to heaven. It's called glorification in the Bible. But right now it's called sanctification and it's called daily repentance of sin. And I'm sure glad that my Jesus knows that about me. He knows what I'm struggling with. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful He knows and He helps me and He's given me the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes along when I'm just like, I just want to quit. It's like, Lord, I can't, I can't ever seem to overcome this. I can't believe I've done the same stupid thing again. And he says, I loved you and I died for you. I've given my word to guide you and I've given you my Holy Spirit. So you hang in there. You hang in there because it's going to be short. The tent is short. It's going to be hard. This is not, don't, this is not um, surprise. You shouldn't be surprised that it's hard. It's going to be hard. Be ready. It's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than you think sometimes. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you're holding on. You think you got an arm, uh, uh, arm on the top of the cliff and a hand holding. You're really hanging, holding you by a thread. I'm holding you by a thread. That's what happened. But guess what? It's my thread. And my thread can hold your weight. And then it's in preparation toward uh, the final day. And it's okay. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not terrified of that anymore. And guess what that means? I'm free to serve Him now. Just free. I can serve God. Here's what I want to do. I know that this is just a tent. I'm not going to invest my life all in this world. Lord, help me. I've been doing it. I've, I fall back into this. Sometimes I get way over invested in this world about things and trinkets and how to spend my money and where to go on vacations. Those are fine. Those are fine. This just, I, I just want to hold loosely to those things. Building from God, I like to think about heaven. Have a Holy Spirit. Oh God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. You know, if it weren't for the Spirit, I would just give up. I would. I would just give up. Sometimes I pray um, right before I preach, and it's like, Lord God, will you please help me? Will you please? I have nothing. I have nothing. I'm terrified. Sometimes when I stand up to preach, I'm terrified. It's like, Lord, I have no idea if this is going to go well or not. But then he says, but you have me. 
Just trust me. Just tell them my word and let me work. And also they have the Holy Spirit. And whether the Spirit or not comes in this service, it ain't all up to me. It's up to God first and foremost, but it's all up to us who have the Holy Spirit that we be praying for the Spirit to come. Okay, and then He tells us to be of good courage. He says twice, verse 6, So we are always of good courage. While we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. It's like, man, it's going to get better. One day we're going to be there with Him. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. What that mean? You know what that means? Walk by faith. It means walk by knowledge. Believing these things to be true. Walk by faith. Walk by faith means this is true. Your life is short. You're going to stand before God. Jesus is going to stand with you. He's going to represent you. And He's going to bless you. And my sins are forgiven based on what Christ has done for me. Man, walk by faith. Every day when I just want to quit, it's like, no, no, keep going. Why? Because God's made promises to me. I'm going to stand upon His many promises. And then I'm going to make it my aim to please Him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it my aim to please Him. So I hope you're a little motivated. I hope if you're going through something right now and... You're trying to figure out what is my next step? What am I supposed to do? I hope, I hope this will help you. Um, if life is just not a easy for you right now, it's okay. It's okay. God has a plan in what He's doing. It's okay. Trust Him. Um, if you're not experiencing Jesus at the level you'd like to, it's okay. Because you're going to. You, you keep hold of His promise. He has something planned for you. He has a place for you. He has a plan for you. He has a relationship for you with Himself that's un, indescribable. There aren't words to describe. Think about your best moment with Jesus on this earth. Think about it for a moment. Think about your best or one of your best moments. Like, when is your best moment? Think about your best moment with Jesus. My friend, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing compared to what it's going to be. That's just a little taste. It's going to get way better. Remember your best moment and you hang on to that. You hang on to that and say, it's just only going to get better. It's better. Instead of grieving that you can't always have your best moment, you're not going to get to hold on to your best moment until you get there. You hold on to that. You remember those moments. Make it make you long for being there with Jesus. Okay, and then if there's anyone here and you're like on the outside looking in, and all you've got is your tent. You've invested everything in this world. I, I want to encourage you right now, just take all of that and just give it to God. Just give it all to you, God. You do what you want to. I'm so invested in this world. I haven't been making plans for after I die. And I just want to, make, I just want to seal that right now, Lord God. I give my life and my heart. I'm a sinner. As a sinner, I stand here and I give to you my, my life and everything I pursued, my record, everything that I've done. And I just, I just want to bring it to you right now and say, Lord God, if you'll take me with all this, I just want to get, I want to get past that. I need Christ. I want to make sure I'm in a right relationship with the one that I'm going to stand before. I just want to be in a right relationship. I just want to take you as my Savior. 
and then I won't have to have that fear. Maybe today you would just simply say, I just want to take you as my Lord today, God. If you would do that today, you can do that right now. You can do it as we pray. You can do it as we sing. Change your relationship to the one that you're going to stand before. And it'll change your whole outlook on living until that day. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You so much for this motivation this morning. It, it really helps to know that our journey here is short. It really does help to know that it's, it's going to be hard. It really helps to know that we're not alone and we have the Holy Spirit. It just so helps us, God. It also helps us to know that when we stand before You, if we'll take You to be our friend and our Savior now, then that's who You'll be on that day. Oh, hallelujah, God. Thank You. Thank You, Jesus. Amen.